G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about Easter and what Easter means in modern Australia. If we're asking that sort of question, we might get a range of responses. The popular images of the Easter bunny and chocolate Easter eggs are the first images that perhaps come to mind for many. For others, it's the last warm, long weekend before things start to cool down ahead of winter. Well, a focus today on what Easter means in modern Australia with the new leader of one of our nation's most significant Christian agencies, Wesley Mission. Late last year, you might recall, we honoured and farewelled the Reverend Keith Garner, who was handing over the torch to his successor, the new national CEO, the Reverend Stu Cameron. Well, our privilege today to welcome that new leader at a significant time. It's Passion Week or Holy Week as we draw close to Easter. Stu Cameron leads Wesley Mission with 2,500 staff, 5,000 volunteers in 130 centres with an amazing ministry reach touching the lives of 200,000 people each year. Stu Cameron, a special welcome along to 2020. It's wonderful to be with you, Neil, and with your listeners. Stu, wonderful to have you on the program. And in a significant week like this, as we lead up to Easter, I I wonder if we might start off uh, with something along the lines of the real focus that we want to bring today. And uh, if you let it, it's so easy to lose sight of the powerful Easter message in modern Australia. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely, Neil. This is the most important week in the calendar, more important than Christmas or Anzac Day or any other season we find ourselves in in the, in the calendar. As important as those other times are, this is, this is the week that we celebrate that, um, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Uh, and uh, I, I think that has far-reaching and internal, eternal implications uh, uh, for all of us, for every human being. And so th- there's no risk at all of overstating the importance of this week. And uh, you and I both know, our listeners know, that it can get lost in all of the, the tinsel of Easter eggs and you know the holiday break that we all look forward to. But at the heart of this week is the, the life-defining, the eternity-defining news that, that God, uh, God's reach uh, has extended to us in the form of His Son and uh, uh, crucified and risen. And that's incredible good news. It's the best of news. For some people, Stu, they'll wait till Good Friday to say, OK, we're going to have our focus on Easter. We'll Perhaps we'll attend church. Uh, others have been going through uh, 40 days in the lead-up to Easter, trying to deepen their own uh, spirituality, deepen their own appreciation of what this message of Easter is all about. What are your thoughts as we get into this uh, Holy Week, Passion Week, about a way that you might even deepen your appreciation of what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, uh, in the lead-up to Good Friday this Friday? 
Well, I think the whole season of Lent, Neil, and Holy Week is an opportunity for us to to meditate, to, to just to draw back from normal everyday activity and to reflect on the profound uh, importance of uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For myself personally, one of the things I've been doing uh, over this season has been rereading the Gospels. Actually, I've actually been writing out uh, the Gospel accounts in longhand just to slow myself down and to be reminded again of a story that's so familiar to me, and I know many of us, but to, to read it with fresh eyes and to read it with childlike faith, recognizing just what God has done for us. And so uh, Holy Week, Lent, uh, the season leading up to Easter and beyond is an opportunity for us to draw back, to still our spirits, and to reflect on the sacrifice that was made for us, the victory of the cross vindicated in the resurrection, and the implications that it has for us and to rejoice in that, to rest in that. So a, a great opportunity for us to center ourselves again around the greatest news we can ever hear and encounter. Well, I'm inspired by your activity because how often do we ever hear that we need to slow down the reading of the Easter story and uh, slowing it down to the point, as you're indicating here, Stu, slowing down to the point of writing out in long hand. Uh, those gospel accounts, that does slow you down. Take us into your uh, diarising, writing, uh, uh, blogging, or whatever you're doing here. Take the, yeah, take us yeah. into this for a moment, because what happens when you come across those verses, those sentences that are so powerful when it comes to Easter week, uh, when you're writing those out in longhand? Yeah, I, you see things with fresh... My experience, Neil, is you see things with see things with fresh eyes. I've been a, a follower of Jesus now for a bit over 40 years. So I've read these gospel accounts numerous times. But for this is the first time I've done this, um, is, is write out the gospels. In fact, I'm, I'm committed to writing out the whole of the New Testament this way. And, you know, like a lot of us in our modern age, we can skip, we can skim read. Even in our devotional life, we can do that. But what writing out longhand forces me to do, as I've said, is slow down. And I see things which I've not seen before. I see them in a, see them in a fresh way. So, for example, in John's account of the death and resurrection of Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 1, it says that while it was still dark, um, you know, Mary goes to the tomb. And when she gets to the tomb, she discovers that the tomb is empty, that the grave clothes are empty. And so the implications of that is that Jesus was raised from the dead while it was still dark. And so that takes me into a place of meditating on the fact that, that God does his best work, his, his finest work, when it seems at its darkest. And that's the God that we follow. That's the God that we worship, a God who brings, death, uh, brings life out of death. Even when it's darkest, God does his best work. A lot of people almost have a favourite day at Easter. Uh, some say, well, the cross is a little bit sad. Uh, what I like is Resurrection Day because we have this triumph of Jesus rising from the grave. I wonder whether there's a thought or two we might be able to uh, just get your uh, impressions on here. The value of appreciating the sadness of Crucifixion Day, Good Friday, and the idea of Resurrection Day being the triumphal sort of day when Jesus is rising. What are your thoughts for the value of slowing down and actually not expecting there to be a lot of fun on Good Friday? Mm. Yeah, I mean, certainly Good Friday is a day for profound reflection. I mean, the extent of 
the, the sacrifice that Christ made for us on that day, that Jesus made for us on that day, um, is beyond our capacity to even begin to imagine fully. Having said that, I mean, I think there's a there's a misconception that we can often fall into, and I know I did for many years that. That, that the Good Friday is the day of defeat and that Easter Sunday is the day of victory. And I've come to uh, what I hope is a deeper understanding in more recent years, that, that Good Friday is actually, even in the, the, the tragedy of it, the sadness of it, the, uh, you know, the profound pain of it, that Good Friday is a day also of triumph, vindicated on, on, on Easter Sunday. What do I mean by that? I mean... What we see in Good Friday is a God who identifies with humanity uh, to such an extent that he's willing to sacrifice his very life. Jesus is willing to sacrifice his very life for my sins and for the sins of all humanity to reconcile the world to himself. This is the extent of God's love. And so there's, on the cross, Jesus became sin for us. He, he took, upon, uh, uh, took upon himself our sin and triumphed over it in his death. And that triumph, the triumph that he won, the victory that he won on the cross is vindicated, is confirmed, if you like, on Easter Sunday in his resurrection. And so we have, a, we have the victory of Good Friday and we have the exclamation mark after that victory on Easter Sunday. This is how I've come to understand uh, the events that, 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 that link Good Friday through to Easter Sunday. And no doubt for so many listening into our conversation today, hearing you talk about those things and saying, uh, oh, I wish my family would understand this depth around Easter. Uh, there are Aussie impressions of Easter time, Stu, and this idea of uh, what I'm asking listeners to uh, to respond to today, the idea of a chalk-coated long weekend, uh, it really is so contrary to what we might appreciate as Christians, an understanding of what Good Friday and what Resurrection Day are all about. I wonder if you've got any thoughts as to those who are listening into our conversation appreciating that there are some deeper things about Easter, about how they might use the opportunity this Easter long weekend to ensure that their family are knowing some of these deeper ideas. Well, I think Easter weekend, like uh, like the uh, Christmas time, is is a unique opportunity for for people to just offer an invitation, a simple invitation to their friends, their family members, their neighbours, work colleagues, uh, to attend church with them. Um, all the research says that that Aussies are, are open to those invitations. Of course, often they'll say no, but more often than not, more often than we can probably consider, they'll say yes. And so if we believe that our church, as I hope we would, is going to be a place where the gospel is going to be preached, um, then I would, I would encourage everybody uh, to consider prayerfully making that invitation. One of the things that I keep on reminding myself is don't say people's no for them. You know, we often imagine uh, ourselves making that invitation and our friend or family member saying no. And so we say they're no for them before we even offer the invitation. Uh, but if we do it in a winsome way, in, a, in an open, open-handed way, um, then uh, more often than we we would possibly imagine, the, the there is a there is a there will be a yes at the end of that invitation. So here's my encouragement to those of us who have Christian faith: be prayerfully considering who can I invite to a Good Friday celebration or to an Easter Sunday celebration, and uh, and uh, we'll be praying for that yes, and then be praying that they might hear and respond to the gospel. 
Stu, you're leading an organisation that really is a rubber hits the road, a Christian hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, lots of people this coming Easter won't be enjoying fun and frivolity in a lovely home setting just around a wonderful family dinner table or things like that. Uh, JobKeeper is coming to an end this week and I imagine there's some thoughts you might have there. There's the challenge of homelessness here in Australia as the last warm weekend of long weekend of the year perhaps uh, gives way to uh, the cooler weather ahead. Uh, we're going to have a break in just a few moments, but I wonder whether you've got a thought or two on how Easter might impact the way we see the real challenges that are going on in Australia right now. Yeah, no, thank you for that, Neil. And look, the JobKeeper uh, program that the government rolled out so quickly um, last year has been incredibly successful at sustaining employment for hundreds of thousands, in fact, millions of Australians over the last year. And of course, we are now into a significant transition out of the JobKeeper program. So only time will tell what impact the ceasing of that support will have. Um, having said that, we're already seeing um, some, some trends emerge, the increase in part-time jobs, um, that, that younger workers have been not the most severely impacted and likely to be more severely impacted uh, in the future. And that long-term unemployment, whilst, whilst the unemployment rate has been kept in check, in fact, far better than what economists consider might be possible, that long-term unemployment is, uh, is, is on the increase. And one of the Wesley Mission's um, you know, wonderful privileges is to support those who are seeking employment through a range of different programs. So we're very much in touch with what we're seeing starting to emerge. But honestly, the next few months will be telling in terms of just how profound the ongoing impact of the COVID recovery is. And you mentioned, you mentioned homelessness. I mean, again, uh, the government put in, and I, we need to commend the government for the support they've offered uh, to the wider community through JobKeeper through um, a whole heap of programs around homelessness and um, housing affordability, etc. Uh, but what we are seeing, and I, and I was, I've been travelling through New South Wales in the last few weeks, I'm hearing again and again and again there's an emerging rental and housing crisis, even greater than it was before the pandemic. And uh, many people are being priced out of the housing market. And I think over coming months, we're going to see the roll-on effect of that on homelessness statistics. Now, while, while we have around 37,000 Australians who sleep rough every night, there are many, many, many more people who are couch surfing or have no permanent accommodation. And so this is going to be an ongoing issue for community services providers like us, the Australian government and for the wider community as well about how we address the housing crisis that continues to uh, play havoc with the lives of too many Australians. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might like to offer your impressions about the Easter message in modern Australia, 1-800-316-316. That Facebook question also you can respond to at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. How do you think the Easter message fits with modern Australia's chalk-coated long weekend? Stu Cameron is our guest. He leads Wesley Mission. Stu, uh, let me just bring you back to uh, some words of Jesus 
Luke chapter 4, and so many listeners will be very familiar with Jesus standing up in the synagogue and opening the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and then beginning to read it. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Some people will say that's a little bit like Jesus' mission statement of what he's setting out to do. And of course, when we get to the cross and the resurrection, we get the fulfillment of that. But really, when Jesus makes those sorts of words, he's talking about his ministry right where the rubber hits the road on people who are under oppression and are in poverty. What are your thoughts for how that might relate to a modern Australia? Oh, absolutely, Neil. I mean, I think that uh, that Luke 4 declaration is so powerful. And I'm reminded in John's Gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, he says that to us who are followers of Jesus today, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so we are sent with the same with the same message, which is good news to the poor and release to the prisoner. And so, I mean, the wonderful privilege we have is is, is that uh, we continue the mission and ministry of Jesus. So that, that's in our hands now, and we're empowered the Holy Spirit, of course, to do that. And so, you know, for more than 200 years, it's been the privilege of Wesley Mission to be the hands, the feet, um, uh, the heart of Jesus. Uh, for the poorest of the poor, uh, particularly here in Sydney, but increasingly around our nation. Uh, So it's absolutely core to who we are, to be good news to the poor. Stu, you mentioned young people uh, just before that last break, and Mm. the idea that young people are a focus of uh, Mm. receiving many of those community services that are provided uh, through Wesley Mission. I'm wondering... Where young people are at on the other side of providing those services, are you finding that young people are responding to become volunteers and to your staff for Wesley Mission? Are young people today in Australia motivated by what comes out of this Easter message to be a servant to the people? Oh, absolutely, Neil. I think you know young people uh, have have that wonderful heart and idealism to make a difference, and I don't think that's limited to any generation. But we see it particularly in young people. They want their faith to matter, to make a difference. And so whether it's through Wesley Mission or through their local church or through any other community organisation, um, they don't want it just simply to be words, but in the, word, the words that are really central to who we are, they want it to be word and deed, faith with works. And so I, I think um, that young people are drawn to a mission beyond themselves that makes an impact on the lives of others. And uh, that's certainly the case with young people today. On the other side, I know that for many young people, uh, the experience of the pandemic has been incredibly difficult. Uh, They've suffered uh, perhaps more than many others, uh, perhaps other than our our most elderly through social isolation. And, uh, you know, we're seeing, uh, particularly uh, in the wider community, that many young people are suffering with increased mental health challenges, etc., which is also an opportunity for the church to reach out uh, with the good news of Jesus and with the services that will make a difference. Let's talk housing for a few moments here Mm, because uh, these uh, economic conditions we find ourselves in, uh, low interest rates, uh, the cost of housing going through the roof, you must be feeling this dramatically in your home city of Sydney right now. Mm. But uh, young people are under a lot of pressure, aren't they, when it comes to housing, not just in the big cities but in the regional communities as well? 
Well, right now, I think it's particularly in the regional communities. Uh, Neil, I mean, I was in Coffs Harbour, Ballina, you know, uh, in, on the central coast here in New South Wales recently. I know in my uh, old city of the Gold Coast, this is particularly the case as well, that uh, that housing prices, and including rentals, have gone through the roof. And it's pricing the younger generation out of the market. And, uh, you know, this is a... this is. Uh, I don't think this is an issue that's going to go away. And uh, for us as a broader community, working out how we can make housing and rental more affordable uh, is going to be critical for us to have a just and equitable society, one where uh, every part of our community has housing. You know, all the research says that stability in housing is, the, is the, one of the most important and critical factors in providing uh, for social equity uh, for our community and making sure people have you know, far better uh, outcomes in, in terms of their own life, in terms of employment, in terms of education, in terms of finances, etc. So getting housing right matters. I suspect there's a lot of people, even the Christian community, that are really driven by this idea of a, uh, you know, a consumerism, a materialism, mm-hmm. And if you have a weak faith as a Christian, if you have no faith at all, you've got this real fear of missing out when things are going gangbusters in the real estate market and such things. I wonder whether the message of the cross uh, speaks into that because Jesus didn't die owning a six-bedroom mansion. Uh, No, he did not. He didn't own any property as far as we're aware. No, no, that's exactly right. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a really important reminder, Neil, that we follow an itinerant Jewish rabbi who had no place to lay his head, uh, who was born into incredibly humble circumstances and, as you say, uh, died, uh, as far as we can tell, you know, in our terms, penniless, so, uh, and, who, and who critiqued uh, the economic systems of his own day. Now, of course, all of that can become quite controversial, and I know that our God supplies all of our needs, and I believe that 100%. Uh, but we're also called uh, to love people before money, uh, to trust God with our circumstances. And I think you know, one of the ways in which we as Christian believers can live out our prophetic calling is in our community that's obsessed about getting ahead, about housing, about wealth, etc., is to live um, with that as a secondary concern at the very least and with our primary concern being loving God and loving neighbour. Stu Cameron, let's, why don't we take a call from a listener who's called in. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can respond today too to our Facebook question asking, how do you think the Easter message fits with modern Australia's chalk-coated long weekend? You'll find that on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call. Let's hear from Greg in Strathbogie in Victoria. Hello, Greg. Greg, welcome. Yes, good morning, and thank you very much for the conversation this morning. It just seems to come along at a good time. So, and also, Reverend Stu, congratulations on your appointment, and what a great heart you have for what you do. Well, I wanted to so ask much, you. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. I've um, had a, a lifetime experience as a. Salvo and a volunteer with the Salvos and I've noticed when people aren't doing so well and they come to Christ they can do so much better so I know that it's really important to physically get help and 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 support and empathy and all those things 
but I was just encouraged so much about your idea of inviting friends and family to church, but also the idea of bringing back the altar call, inviting people to come to Christ. Hmm. Stu, what are your thoughts for Greg? Oh, absolutely, and and that's certainly the idea of uh, not just preaching the gospel, but inviting people to respond to the gospel is is central to what it means to be a church, what it means to be an evangelical church. Good news uh, becomes transformative when it's received. Um, We can hear good news, but we must respond to good news uh, for it to have an impact on our lives. And so inviting people to consider, uh, first of all, telling people the good news of Jesus and then inviting them uh, to consider inviting Christ to be Lord of their life, to follow him with their life, I think that's when uh, the miracle of faith can be birthed and when God can transform people's lives, as you said, Greg, not just spiritually, but emotionally, mentally, physically, etc., and of course, transform their eternity. So it's absolutely critical. Like we, we give people an opportunity uh, to respond to the good news that we preach and share with them. Greg from Strathbogie in Victoria, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. And, of course, respond to that Facebook question if you can. And uh, talking through, of course, uh, those issues, how you think the Easter message fits with modern Australia's chalk-coated long weekend. Let's come back for a moment here, because it's so significant getting into these discussions, Stu, about homelessness. We mentioned that before the news. Uh, there's an awful lot of people who are going to be homeless this coming uh, weekend. And, and I imagine uh, that when it is Easter, uh, and if, unless you've got some sort of connection to someone like Greg says, you know, with the Salvos or with Wesley Mission, uh, somehow or other you might be on your own. What are your thoughts for people not being on their own at a time like Easter? Yeah, look, I mean, we as best we can work it out, Neil, uh, well over 100,000 Australians uh, suffer from homelessness around our nation. And, uh, you know, around 60% of those are men, um, around 20% are between the ages of, uh, of 25 and 34. And so yeah, there, there is a significant crisis that is all around us if we just have eyes to see. And so it's important that we provide those who are uh, struggling with homelessness, an opportunity to find permanent housing. But the first step uh, is, is, is identifying some crisis accommodation for them. So over the last year, you know, we've been providing uh, accommodation here in Sydney uh, for around 80 or so people every night uh, at, one of our, at one of our hotels. Um, and uh, uh, ensuring that, uh, you know, through the COVID pandemic that they have a roof over their head, they have a meal, or meals, uh, they have all the assistance they need to be able to find long-term accommodation. So there's crisis accommodation. Then there's, you know, social, social housing, affordable housing, Give, giving people a pathway out of homelessness, giving people hope. That's the critical thing. And uh, practical hope, not just hope that um, is sounds like a good story, but hope that actually helps them and empowers people uh, to find a future that's far more secure than what they're enduring right now. You know, I can't help but think here, Stu, uh, that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords 
uh, held all of those things. Uh, hope uh, was at the centre of what he was bringing in all of those uh, issues in the lead up to the crucifixion, to the resurrection. He was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, and I'm just reminded of Matthew chapter 8. In verse 20, Jesus was talking about foxes having holes or dens and birds having nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. There's a certain sense here in which uh, when we talk about homelessness and that fear or that uh, even that anxiety that comes along with the challenges that we face, that Jesus had a particular way of being able to focus that. Uh, any thoughts here around Jesus being, in that sense, uh, homeless too? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we, have, we have in Jesus someone who identifies with every aspect of the human condition, um, you know, he, including the fact that he had no place to lay his head. Um, I mean, for the three years of his public ministry, he was itinerant. He was moving from place to place to place, was dependent upon the hospitality of others. And, and so, you know, I'm also reminded, Neil, uh, of, of what the New Testament tells us, that when we extend hospitality to strangers and to others, we may well be entertaining angels unawares. Uh, and so it's contingent upon us um, that, that so the one whom we follow who extended hospitality to friend, stranger and enemy alike, that we extend likewise hospitality to those, even those outside of our, of our normal social networks, that we expand our social networks to include people who we otherwise might not see or might not relate to. Hospitality, it's a central, central, central theme of the New Testament. And so extending hospitality in practical ways uh, to people who are suffering isolation, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually or mentally, is absolutely critical for followers of Jesus. Oftentimes, Stu, we'll be looking to the government to provide the answers to issues around homelessness and uh, care for people who are not going so well at this moment. But there is a certain sense, isn't there, that Easter speaks into not only Jesus and the way that he cares for and, uh, and uh, you know, is, is able to reflect those issues around poverty and his appreciation for those things because he's been there. But there's also, I wonder whether this other dimension of when you are the one who is sent, as you said, from John chapter 20, uh, the idea that there is personal responsibility on the believer to be able to care for the poor, to care for the homeless. Any thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's certainly our responsibility. I, I'd go even a step further than that, Neil. It's our privilege. And I know that's when I read the New Testament, when I read the Acts of the Apostles in particular, I see that that was certainly how the, the early church embraced uh, that call responsibility they embrace it as a privilege and we read in in the in, in church history those first few centuries of the church that it was um it, when, when there was no social welfare there was no government handouts uh, there was nothing like we now enjoy in our modern uh, australian context it was the way in which the early church cared for their poor but not just their poor um the poor outside their doors uh, that had such a profound impact on their wider society and made their message all the more compelling. And so, uh, you know, it's it's so important that we uh, we take up the privilege and the responsibility of caring for the poor. And as we do, I know that our witness, uh, the words that we offer, 
but will be magnified in people's hearts. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation today, and you can also respond on Facebook. How do you think the Easter message fits with modern Australia's chalk-coated long weekend? Let's take a call from Lawrence in Perth, WA. Hello, Lawrence. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Yes, um, I think there are a lot of spare rooms in houses around Australia. I have a spare room, but what I worry about is um, if I um, take someone in short term or longer term, is there someone who can bet them, you know, um, so that uh, their character would be known, that sort of thing? And then I wouldn't um, hesitate to uh, allow someone to rent a room, uh, you know, a, a subsidised cost or something. Well, Lawrence, what an absolutely fabulous idea. A response here from Stu. Yeah, Lawrence, I mean, my, my encouragement would be, you know, if you're part of a church community now, part of a network now, is to consider who within your current circle, your current network that that might be helped to be asking uh, around through through your current uh, relationship networks of, of people that might need a hand. And it may not be someone who's directly within your church community or your network, but it might be someone who's known. And so you have that personal referral and that gives you some comfort. Um, but I think if you if you uh, uh, contact uh, one of the local agencies you have over there in Perth, which I know there are a number of fabulous ones there, uh, they would they would perhaps be able to help you with um, uh, ways in which you can um, you can assist people who are looking for uh, for a hand with housing. Lawrence, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Just to just to dwell on this for a moment here, Stu, because mm. as just as Lawrence said, a lot of people have a spare room, but there's often a reluctance because we don't know who might be coming. And sometimes in our local church environment, there'll be a call that'll go out because there's some crisis accommodation needed, and perhaps for a single mum or someone who's been in a domestic violence uh, situation, but sometimes we're so reluctant because we're wondering about our own safety. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts here about about the feeling, and maybe it's overrated that we think of our own safety and we ought to be a little more open and a little more vulnerable. Any thoughts about that? I certainly think we can, we, 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 I think it's, I think we can reset a little bit and being more open to those possibilities. I'm not saying that we should uh, not take into consideration the issues around safety and those sorts of things, particularly if we have children in our household, etc., others who are more vulnerable. Having said that, I think um, there are opportunities for us, as, as my wife and I have embraced over the years, um, uh, to take people into our homes and to offer hospitality. Uh, and we be all the more richer when we take up those opportunities. I really do believe that. Uh, there's, uh, there's blessing in being a blessing to others. And so I think this is something we should all approach with prayerfulness, certainly being careful. But certainly I think there's an opportunity for the church in a, in, a, in a context where people are feeling and experiencing social isolation to be community to others, to be family to others, to be households of families to others. Let's touch on uh, some mental health issues at this time because as we're talking about uh, the lead up to Easter and uh, Jesus, uh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and uh, we know that 
he went through at low points in his life, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's part of the Easter story, the the pressure that was on Jesus himself uh, in his own mental health uh, was such a huge challenge. But people in our ordinary communities going through really tough trials right now, any thoughts for uh, people who are facing mental health issues, Stu? Yeah, look, I mean, we certainly have a mental health crisis here in Australia. There's no question about it. And I know research done last year by uh, Mark McCrindle, a wonderful organisation, and social research uh, uh, identifies the fact that the issues around social isolation are are impacting even more so the mental health of of Australians. This is where community is so, so, so critical. And so uh, people connecting with others in meaningful ways um, is is critically important to the mental health of individuals, but also to the mental health of our nation. And this is where the church has a, a, an amazing and unique opportunity, is, as I said, to be places of welcome and hospitality that helps people make connection with others. After a year of lockdowns and uh, isolation and restrictions, etc., it's absolutely critical to be on the front foot in providing places of community to others. Uh, There's been a number of responses to our Facebook question today and Mm. the question really comes around, you know, how do you think the Easter message fits with modern Australia's chalk-coated long weekend? Well, there's been a response from Susan who says, sadly, it's nothing more than a long weekend and parties. And then James says, doesn't matter what spin you put on it, chocolate bunnies, etc., are not relevant but it's a good excuse to eat chocolate. Don't get me started on hot cross buns. Uh, These are the popular images of Easter, and they are such a stark contrast to the sorts of things that you're talking about, Stu. The idea that there are people in our communities that need us to be a body of individuals who can be uh, reaching out a hand and helping people to have that hand up. Uh, Any thoughts here on just modern Australia and the the difficulties that we face in just getting the focus on those things that are a biblical foundation for Easter? Yeah. I remember reading something just recently, Neil. uh, A a man who doesn't believe in God, an atheist in Britain, said, I, I... I don't, I, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. And I, I wonder if that's a profound way of speaking what our culture, Australian culture, we, many in our culture, increasing numbers in our culture, don't believe in God, but they miss him, uh, the God that they don't believe in. And we still have these um, artifacts of our Christian heritage and hot cross buns and uh, Easter eggs and, of course, our public holidays over the weekend. And uh, those things can um, hide, uh, you know, the fundamental reality that's behind those things, which is the Easter story itself. But I do believe that when uh, our community, those who have no belief in God or a very vague belief in God, when they hear the compelling nature of the Easter story, that it still has the power to transform. And so rather than look at um, you know, the, the increasing secularization of our nation as something to lament simply, and it is something to lament, I also see it as an amazing privilege for the church to step up, step out, and in faith proclaim the gospel because it still has the power to transform. Always has and always will. Let's take another call. Talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Patricia is in Melbourne. Hello, Patricia. Welcome. Oh, hello, and thanks for having me. Um, Sadly, I've got to agree with, I think it was Susan saying it's um, not 
it's it's almost it'll never be irrelevant, but it's not as um, uh, Christianized as it should be. Yet surprisingly, I know a number of um, families that strictly on Good Friday only have fish. So to them, they sort of somehow acknowledge that you know this is a bit more than just chocolates and, and bunnies and whatnot as well. Hmm. Powerful thought, Patricia, because there are some overhanging Christian traditions that even non-Christian families will hold to because uh, Good Friday wouldn't be the same if they didn't eat meat on Good Friday. Any thoughts here, Stu, for Patricia? Yeah, I mean, Neil, I think Patricia's right. I mean, I think um, many people, uh, as I shared earlier, they hold on to some of those traditions without, without perhaps knowing or experiencing the profound truth behind those traditions. And so, it's, 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 but they're helpful conversation starters for us with friends or neighbours or family members to say, well, do you know why we don't eat fish on Friday? Or do you know why we have Easter eggs? Or why we have hot cross buns? Or why even we have... Uh, a holiday on Friday and another one on Monday. Um, they're, they're opportunities for us to explain the why behind the what. Patricia, thank you so much for your call. one eight hundred three sixteen. Or I might uh, might say, no, let's put a line under calls. Uh, we're almost out of time. Uh, just to touch on uh, Easter this year, and uh, you know, I'm just mindful too of uh, some listeners in southeast Queensland. They're about to be plunged into another three day lockdown, uh, so that's going to affect potentially uh, Easter services this week for those in southeast Queensland, particularly in Greater Brisbane area. But lots of other places all around Australia, Stu are going to have the opportunity and there's going to be a real freedom there to be able to worship. And uh, some will be saying, I'm taking this as a long weekend, I'm not going to an Easter service. What are your encouragements for people to, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, take that sort of humble attitude and gather together as a body of believers and worship together at Easter? Any thoughts here? Yes, well, I'm, I'm currently living in Sydney, Neil, and uh, just last weekend, restrictions lifted so that we're able to sing without masks for the first time in a year. What a joy that is. And so I can't think of any better weekend, uh, both Good Friday, but particularly Easter Sunday, to be able to sing the triumph of the Easter Easter story and the fact that Jesus is risen. Uh, ours is a faith that, um, you know, it compels us to sing with joy. And so uh, I think the opportunity, the privilege we have to gather and to sing alongside others, uh, of course in COVID safe ways, is is one that we should happily and uh, warmly embrace. So I'm looking forward to that immensely. I cannot wait, in fact, Neil, to do that. Yeah. Hey, last year we farewelled your predecessor, the Reverend Keith Garner, and, uh, you know, it's obviously a big challenge in the changeover because you're leading such a huge organisation. I wonder whether, Stu, just in these last uh, two or three minutes of our conversation, uh, can you give us a bit of an update and uh, how challenging it's been to take over and, uh, you know, filling big shoes in Keith Garner's shoes? Uh, How have you adjusted to your new leadership role? Oh look! It's been a it's been an honour, and to, to follow Keith, who leaves a 15-year legacy, an amazing legacy. Wesley Mission grew hugely under his leadership, not just in terms of our size, but size, but in terms of our reach and our impact. And so, Keith and Carol, uh, who welcomed Sue and myself to Sydney, have been amazingly gracious and uh, humble in the way they have handed over. I couldn't have couldn't have wished for better. 
And uh, over the last four months, we've got to know our new Wesley Mission family in all of its breadth and all of its reach. And uh, again, that's been a, a wonderful joy for us. Um, I'm being stretched, I'm being challenged, um, I'm being inspired and I'm being encouraged all in equal measure in this new role. Um, just last weekend on Saturday morning, I had the privilege of being on the shores of Sydney Harbour recording our Easter sunrise service, which will be broadcast nationally on Easter Sunday. I know it's being simulcast on Vision Radio, uh, but on Channel 9 uh, this coming Sunday at 6am and uh, interviewing the Abdullah family. And I have to pinch myself, Neil, that I get the the opportunity to hear from these, this amazing couple, Layla and Danny Abdullah, who uh, tragically lost their three of their children uh, last February, but have this powerful story of forgiveness arising out of their Christian faith to share with our nation. And so I, I was driving home Saturday morning thinking to myself, God, I'm so thankful for the privilege I have of having these sorts of conversations and sharing these sorts of stories with a nation that desperately needs to hear good news. And no doubt there'll be many listening to our conversation today, Stu, who will look to see that uh, wonderful uh, program for Easter Sunday and uh, for those who can't get to see it on television, uh, to be able to hear it here on Vision Radio as well. Uh, With so many staff, so many volunteers, 130 centres all over Australia, Stu, is there uh, a way that uh, we can mention right now, is this uh, this something that uh, would benefit for people? people who are thinking i'd like to be able to volunteer or i'd like yeah. to be able to get involved with wesley we mission would, is that we, a possibility we would, absolutely we we're always looking for for others to join with us um, as we continue the work of jesus christ in word and deed that's our mission uh, is to continue the work of jesus christ in word and deed because every life matters and uh, you just go to wesleymission.org.au and you'll find out more information about all that we do and the opportunities we have to serve. And we would love to have that conversation with you. We have a fabulous community here, and we're always looking to welcome others to join us in the call that God has placed on our lives. So that website, wesleymission.org.au. And yes, uh, you'll be welcome uh, to be a volunteer or to become involved in the ministry of Wesley Mission. Stu Cameron is the new leader of Wesley Mission. Stu, it's been a privilege. Let's do this again sometime soon. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Thank you so much. And thank you to your listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 